ID the Future, a podcast about evolution and intelligent design. Are science and faith compatible? I'm Casey Luskin, and today I'm speaking with William Dembski, a member of the Board of Directors at Discovery Institute and one of the founding senior fellows of the Center for Science and Culture. He holds a PhD in philosophy from the University of Illinois at Chicago, another in mathematics from the University of Chicago, and a Master's of Divinity from Princeton Theological Seminary. He's the author of many books, including The Design Inference, Intelligent Design, The Bridge Between Science and Theology, The Design Revolution, No Free Lunch, Being as Communion, and most recently, he's co-editor of a book titled The Comprehensive Guide to Science and Faith, Exploring the Ultimate Questions About Life and the Cosmos, which is co-edited by him, myself, and also Joseph Holden. So, Bill, thank you so much for coming on the show with us today. Great to be with you, Casey. Well, we had a really nice conversation in the first podcast about your experience over the last, say, five to 10 years, taking a a break or hiatus from intelligent design, doing some other exciting projects, but still being interested in ID and supportive and and wanting to uh, contribute in various ways. And we appreciate your involvement in this book very much, uh, The Comprehensive Guide to Science and Faith. And I'd like to talk with you today about a couple of your chapters in that book. You titled your first chapter in that book, What Are Science and Faith and Are They Compatible? So how would you define science to start off? Science is a systematic inquiry into nature and uh, the big focus is on reasoned discourse, evidence, experiments. So it's, it's really trying to be rigorous in one's understanding of nature. So that's, you know, that, that's the subject matter of, of, of science. And uh, ideally, you want to follow the evidence where it leads. Uh, you want something that gives acknowledgement to human fallibility so that we might be wrong and that there are ways of, uh, for science to correct itself. So there are a lot of elements in it, but the, broadly, that's, that's what we're talking about. So you describe faith in some interesting ways in this chapter, Bill. You say that faith is something you own or something that you've thought through carefully for yourself, where you're convinced that it holds up and can sustain you through life's toils and snares. I I like that definition a lot, but more precisely, is there more of like an academic definition of faith? I mean, uh, in the Bible, obviously, faith faith is defined as the evidence of things not seen. Uh, And there's other people who have given various definitions of faith, and there's popular conceptions of what faith means. So how would you define faith sort of in a definitional sense? Yeah, I mean, there's so many ways of approaching it, right? I mean, because I mean, the word, I mean, it's it's synonymous with belief, you know, but then belief is in a sense a transitive notion. I mean, you don't just don't believe. I mean, it's not just this empty thing. There's a belief in something, you know, so subject believes that or believes in uh, something. And so, you know, from a Christian vantage, I mean, faith at one level, it's, it's propositional. You believe that God exists, that Jesus Christ is God incarnate, that he rose from the dead. So there, there are these aspects. But in the scripture also, there's, there's very much the sense that faith is something that's, that's very personal, that you, you can't really articulate just in a proposition. I mean, that there's a relationship. And I think one way I would understand that, I think I, I advert to that at the end of my chapter is, you know, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You know, and from, for philosophers, often truth is put in term, propositional terms. There are all sorts of theories of truth, I and mean, they're non-referential. But the sense that truth is a person is something that you don't really get in philosophy. 
But I think the rubber hits the road for me on that is if you trust a person, if you have faith in a person, you know what they're capable of, what they are going to do. And a lot of evidence to the contrary might will still not convince you. So if you know that somebody is honest and upright and is meaning to do you well, and they've said they're going to meet you at a certain point, if they don't meet you at that certain point, you still know that they've, they're trying, they're doing something. It's not that they have, you know, uh, lied or anything. With the this, this sense of trusting a person, there's, there's this sense that there's, there's a relationship, there's a connection, there's, there's a living connection. And for the Christian, you know, God is not dead. Jesus is alive. He rose from the dead. So that connection of faith is to a living person. You know, so it's not just propositional. There has to be some propositional, uh, propositionality, if you will, to faith, because, you know, it's, otherwise it's just an empty notion. But it's one thing just to say, okay, you know, check, check, check to the creed. You know, I believe that God is this. I believe God is that. I believe God is this, that, and the other thing. But it's another thing to say, okay, I've got this relationship with the living Savior. And I think that's that's where faith goes beyond just this sort of philosophical notion of, you know, a certain, they, they talk about propositional attitudes, your attitude toward a proposition, you know? So I think that's, you know, this, this may be, seem a little bit long-winded, but, uh, you know, so I, but I think there's, there's a complexity to faith or layers to it that you don't get if you look at it simply as in, in, in propositional or logic, logic chopping terms, if you will. I, I really like what you're saying, Bill. It, it really resonates with my own experience with what faith is and sort of that faith in a in the character of a person that you can trust them and that they will get you through the hard times, even if you know you're you're going through some bumps in the road and your your faith it might not always be easy. Ultimately, that faith is there. Uh, you talk about truth in science or truth in faith and how uh, in in science, well, faith is highly concerned with truth. And yet science is not so much uh, concerned with truth. You say science, on the other hand, often seems less about finding the exact truth about nature than about successfully understanding and explaining natural phenomena. Or some see science as approximating truth in an endless quest to approach the truth, yet never quite hitting it on the head. So does science give us truth or can we, can we trust what science is telling us in the same way that you know, we trust the truths of faith? Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's a big question because I mean, philosophy of science has taken a lot of different views on the, the nature of scientific claims, whether they are true or in what sense they're true. Some will just say, hey, science gives us truth. It couldn't be so successful without it. But uh, I think the if you actually look at the history of science, you see that there is just a lot of uh, fallibility there and a sense of where we get we get an insight but it's not the whole insight so with Newton, Newtonian mechanics for instance I mean you get this marvelous framework mathematical physical framework for understanding the motions of objects for understanding the motions of the, the solar system but then you look at it carefully, you take the more careful measurements, and then you see that this perihelion of Mercury is just a little bit off. And it's like, well, what's going on here? You know? So it's clear that Newton has grasped something, but it's also clear that he hasn't gotten the exact truth. 
Uh, and indeed, you know, to explain that perihelion of Mercury, you needed Einsteinian relativity. And is Einstein the final word? Well, probably not, because, you know, there's no, still no good theory of quantum gravity. How do you combine Einstein's ideas with quantum theory? So, yeah, so it, it seems that with science, you're, you're gaining some insight. And, you know, this is so... I'm much more of the pragmatic or, you know, I'd say also the empirical adequacy. Are we getting some insight? Are we explaining what we see, the observations? Are we approximating closely? You know, is our theory telling us what we actually see or getting, getting us close to that? So is there a match? And that's, you know, it doesn't seem to me that that's giving you exact truth, but it does give you insight. And I think truth does become relevant, as I said, because even if the scientific theories are not totally accurate, it seems that implications that we draw from them often do are a matter of truth or falsehood. So if we're saying, you know, I mean, it was mooted when COVID uh, first hit that we're going to be seeing 2 million deaths. You know, I mean, it was just staggering numbers of, you know, the virulence, the mortality rates, and it wasn't anything like that. So they were, you know, the people who were claiming that they were using certain models, the models were incorrect, but the conclusions and the public policy recommendations were false. Okay, they were not true. So there's a sense in which scientists, they make claims that are truth claims and that can be wrong, you know, but it's, uh, but there's, there's, I guess, this sense of the, um, you know, the, the fundamental theory and then the applications of that, that theory. And it seems to me in the applications, uh, often it is a question of truth or falsehood. Exactly so. Now, with, within Christianity, I mean, I go back to Jude 3, you know, defending the faith once and for all delivered unto the saints. And it seems that there, there is a core of uh, Christian truths that we must accept if we are to be Christians, such as that God exists, that God revealed himself in Jesus Christ, that Jesus was God incarnate, that Jesus rose from the dead, that Jesus was born of a virgin. You know, all these things, it seems, are, are essential uh, to Christianity. You know, it's either true or false. You know, I mean, either Jesus was crucified and died and never rose again, or he did. Uh, so that's, so there, there's a definite question of truth there. No, for sure. I, religion definitely makes certain claims that can be testable to determine if they're true or not. Uh, but talking about the mixing up of faith and science and truth, uh, I think just about every other block here in Seattle, you'll find a house that has a sign in front of it that says, in this house, we believe science is real. And it's almost like they're approaching science with faith, as if they have faith that whatever science says is true in, in an absolute sense. And I just think that this reflects a complete misunderstanding of the nature of science. I mean, of course, science can be right, but if you correctly just explained, there are many important examples where science gets things wrong. So we never ignore what science is saying. We certainly uh, consider it and evaluate it and test it, but you never take it as an article of faith, as if science is this monolithic gospel that you accept as some kind of an absolute truth, like you might some kind of a religious claim. And unfortunately, some people today I think have misconceptions about how science operates, how it works, and that science can get things wrong. That yes, it can be right, and you you certainly uh, listen to what it's saying, but science is not right 100% of the time. And I think one of the best examples of, of this, you talk about in your chapter, methodological naturalism, sort of the idea that we can only appeal to natural causes 
or me mechanistic causes when doing science. So in your view, is methodological naturalism a necessary aspect of science, or is it sort of an arbitrary guardrail that's been put up to restrict the sorts of conclusions that science can come to? Well, you've given me a softball there, and you obviously know what I think. I mean, it's, it is this artificial construct to uh, keep religious believers, especially ID proponents, at bay and, uh, and push a materialistic view of science. I and mean, that's, that's what it does. You know, I think science is a term that comes from the Latin, and it's scientia, or scientia uh, was the generic term for knowledge, you know, and then uh, it was co-opted as this special form of knowledge of nature. Uh, and then when you add methodological naturalism, you're saying, okay, and that's what science has to be about. But the older term for science is natural philosophy, you know, and it's, uh, and that goes back to the ancient Greeks. And there've been lots of different views on the nature of science, if you will. What, what is science? What is its proper focus of study? What are the types of causes that it can uh, legitimately appeal to? And that's varied. That's been all over the, the board. And it seems to me you can't just arbitrarily legislate and say, well, this is what we're going to limit ourselves to. I and mean, how do you know that me mechanistic causes are the only types of causes? I mean, what, what experiments can you do to establish that? You know, what, uh, what empirical observations would nail that down. And, you know, and when I hear something like, you know, in this house, we believe science, and it gives the sense that the most legitimate and really only legitimate knowledge is science. But science is actually very limited in terms of, you know, the, the full sweep of human knowledge. I mean, the claim, for instance, that the only legitimate form of knowledge or the most rigorous form of knowledge is scientific. Let's put it in those terms. Uh, what sort of claim is that? Is that a scientific claim? What experiment would justify a claim like that? It's, it's a philosophical claim. So as soon as you start doing these meta accounts of what science is, you're not doing science anymore. You're, you're doing something else. And it seems that the people who are pushing methodological naturalism and pushing the view scientism, the view that science is the only legitimate or valid form of knowledge, they're self-referentially incoherent. You know, they, they defeat themselves because they're claiming things really that in a sense that they're, that they're simultaneously denying. Yeah. One of my favorite coffee mugs was given to me by my friend, Simon Brace, who lives in South Africa and works with Rasho Christie. And it has two stormtroopers having a conversation. And one stormtrooper says, science is the only way to true knowledge. And then the other stormtrooper says, is that a scientific claim? I mean, it's just such an easy <laughs> point to make. But this gets to your point in the chapter, Bill, about science becoming an idol. I think that that sign that, you know, science is real in this house, we trust science. In what way is science becoming an, an idol in our culture today? Well, you know, I think it's when you value something over the true God. I mean, and it's, I think it, it, it happens where you give something inordinate value, you know, the value that it that doesn't really deserve. Uh, I think it does take that role for some people. I, you know, I, I don't think it's across the board. I mean, I guess there, there are lots of different idols out, but uh, the sense that uh, science is our savior. I mean, you see it perhaps in the most extreme form in the uh, super intelligence people where the idea is we're going to dispense with our humanity and upload ourselves onto a computer. And, you know, then we just become these purely 
technological beings. So it's this great you know, faith in uh, science and technology. You know, I think it's a it's a temptation. You know, part of it also, I mean, it's science it, again, it's the word from Latin that means knowledge, and by, scriptures teach, you know, knowledge puffs up. Love builds up. So much of what drives the academy is I know something that you don't know. To the degree that I know more than you, and I can make that clear, uh, to that degree, I'm advanced in the academy. But, you know, it's also interesting if you think of the, the fall of humanity. I mean, what, what was the fall? It was the, the knowledge tree, eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that first word is knowledge. You know, it's, there's some sort of knowledge that we're getting that ends up uh, ruining us even. So it's, uh, I think it's this overemphasis on knowledge. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, as I'm thinking about this, I don't think I've made these connections, but, you know, even talks in 1 Corinthians 13, the great love chapter, that knowledge will pass away. Knowledge is not the ultimate thing. I mean, it's, it's God, relationship with God. The ultimate reality is personal. It's not this sort of abstract knowledge. And if we put our faith in science, as this claim to rationality and to solving all our problems. It's thoroughly anti-Christian. Very understandable, Bill. So in the end, in your final analysis, are science and faith compatible with each other? Yeah, totally. Science at its best is trying to understand what God has wrought in creation. The world is designed, humans are designed, animal life is designed, plant life is designed, there's a, there's a design, there's a purpose, there's a, a plan there. There are ways that the world operates and to find those ways, the patterns that underlie creation, it seems to me those patterns are uncovered mathematics that's involved. That's what science is about. It's uncovering these patterns, making the connections, seeing what, how causality works, you know, and it is ultimately God who put that all in there. And so we are, I mean, this is nothing new that I'm saying, but, you know, it's trying to see what was in God's mind, at least in some limited way of what he did to bring about the, the order and even beauty of creation. So that's, it seems, what science is about. And there's, there's no incompatibility with Christian faith. You know, I mean, this has been standard theology that, you know, God is the God of creation, but God is the God of redemption. He's the creator, brings the world into being, organizes it, and then there's the, that same creator is the one who redeems us because of sin through Jesus Christ. You know, and the, the idea that they're incompatible, isn't it remarkable that the revolution of modern science is largely done at the hands of people who are Christians or, or certainly thoroughgoing theists? Um, Newton was an Arian, so he didn't believe in the Trinity, but he believed that the miracles in the Bible were real and he believed in God. But uh, many of the founders of modern science, Kepler, Copernicus, uh, Boyle, and even going into the 19th century with Faraday and uh, Maxwell, you know, these, these were thoroughgoing Christians. I mean, Maxwell was the, the greatest physicist of the 19th century. And I mean, he would spend every Sunday reading theology, you know, so is it just a these people were misguided, that they didn't know about Darwin. That, I think that's just absurd. You know, these were very smart people. And they, but I think the effect of especially Darwinian thinking, I mean, this idea that you can get something for nothing, that just let matter go and 
get a cell and then gets eventually monad to man evolution, you know, and how it happens. Well, we're not quite sure, but, uh, you know, we know natural selection, random variation, just let it roll around for a while and presto, here we are, you know, and people buy into that, you know, it's, it's the ultimate free lunch and pe people like free, you know, especially if they don't want to have to deal with the, the creator and the redeemer who also holds us accountable for what we, how we live our lives. Darwinism has been toxic, you know, in terms of the effect it's had on our culture and also in skewing or perverting science. But that's uh, part of what we deal with in the intelligent design movement, trying to undo that legacy of Darwin. Okay, well, Bill, this has been a really enjoyable conversation about your chapter on whether science and faith are compatible from the Comprehensive Guide to Science and Faith. I hope that our listeners will go check it out. Again, the book is published by Harvest House. It's available on Amazon. The co-editors include Bill Dembski uh, and myself, as well as Joseph Holden, and it has contributions from many ID scientists. We think you'll enjoy it. So, Bill, thanks so much for coming on the show with us here. Thanks, Casey. I'm Casey Laskin with ID the Futures. Stay tuned for more with Bill Dembski on the Comprehensive Guide to Science and Faith. Visit us at idthefuture.com and intelligentdesign.org. This program is Copyright Discovery Institute and recorded by its Center for Science and Culture.